And welcome to Cleveland and the Geek Pre Twins Fest edition. I'm John Bonus. Twins Daily with me, Aaron Gleeman of The Athletic. There you go. Good job, John. <laughs> Thank you. Another jam packed episode full of news. <laughs> it, often by Twins Fest, we've had something to talk about. Yeah, yeah like, let's uh, hope. I think I remember. Uh, I think I remember Josh Donaldson signing yeah. about this time three years ago. I will ago, say. Right? So I looked this up. I'm right about this for Monday, just the lack of activity and sort of the buzzkill right. of the whole offseason, which maybe we'll get into that some on the show. But I looked up January 11th and January 20th last year. Right. Which is today's the 20th, right, I think, or the 19th? 19th. Yeah. Were the Correa, Correa. and Lopez moves. <laughs> right, yeah, right. So, yes. However. Yeah, coming off of last offseason, this offseason has been especially jarring. Yeah. <laughs> coming, but off, coming off of most Twins offseasons, it's not that big of a difference. But, well, but I, <laughs> what I mean is that's just as late, those you know, the two true. biggest right. moves. That's true, yep. But they had made at least a few minor moves before then, although the Taylor trade also came in January, too. Oh, that's right. They yeah. traded for Farmer right. yes. and done some other things. But yeah. right. I also looked at. I saw somebody tweet this. I want to give credit, but I can't remember who did it. I'm sorry. Um, it wasn't me. That's the important <laughs> thing, to not take credit. Uh, somebody tweeted on this date, which was yesterday, the 18th of January, of I think MLB.com or maybe MLBTradeRumors.com's top 50 ranked free agents. Uh, three were unsigned at this point last year. Oh, really? Because correct, if you remember... Right. I mean, obviously, this was the dominant storyline of the the Twins offseason. The Correa thing it felt like it dragged on forever. Right, yes. And yet, he basically signed this same week last year, right. or a little earlier. Yeah, a little earlier, right. Uh, and that felt, at the time, I mean, it did drag on forever. He ended up signing with three right. different yeah. teams. <laughs> right, so, right, right. Uh, with each had, like, you know, medical stuff in between. And he was basically the last of the big free agents. And at this time last year... The highest ranked free agents unsigned were like, you know, Michael Walker, that, you know, decent guys, but not right. big names. And then you look at this year's list, it's subjective, obviously, ranking them. But I mean, you know, you have Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery and Matt Chapman and Josh Hader and on and on and on. Yep. And there's at least, you know, six to 10 legit kind of B level or higher, you know, starting caliber players right. unsigned. And so that's definitely different than even last season and i don't think last season felt like it was you know jam-packed really for the twins especially until yeah. this point when they started to kind of uh go into gear and yet two off seasons ago it's tough to compare because it was the lockout and right so they exactly so ever, that was a huge rush in november right. yeah <laughs> right uh but dan hayes of the athletic <laughs> still i guess it turns out yeah it turns he out he also he must do contract yeah, yeah he must have too damn <laughs> i didn't recommend that Shows Which one did you not recommend? Both of us. I didn't. No, I was gonna say, did, uh, did you not recommend that athletic for Dan Hayes, or did you not recommend Dan Hayes to the athletic? Oh no, I didn't recommend they, they, they didn't keep him. Is what I was saying. The joke I was attempting to make, uh, but I guess they don't listen to me and they kept him. Uh, he wrote this morning. He talked to Derek Falvey yesterday about just the complete lack of activity for the Twins and the, also the TV situation, which we're going to talk a lot about because it's been a 
I hesitate to say an update, but it is an update, I guess. Yeah, I don't know that definitely it, an update. I don't know that it moves the ball forward, but it moves the ball somewhere. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, right. they respotted the ball, right? basically. Uh, but Falvey's quotes were kind of what we've come to expect. And they're not – people should go read them. But they're, they're not uh, incorrect or misleading. They're just sort of frustrating, which is we view the offseason as – basically until spring training and sometimes into spring literally training literally until opening day right and so and <laughs> they've proven the that a, yeah they made I mean, a trade the night before opening day yes uh the taylor rogers amelia pagan and paddock trade mm-hmm. and you know last spring i remember being there day one uh full squad reports and donovan solano so walked was, in yeah right. and we were like okay actually we were at a brewery yeah it was it? it was after full squad reports. yeah <laughs> i think yeah. it was like the next day or something yeah. Yeah. um and so that it's true and we sort of in part to remind ourselves, but also in part to try to kind of keep the fan base calm. It seems like this time every year or roughly this yep. time every year, we kind of go through their history and say, look, whether it's the Donaldson trade or last year with Correa and then Lopez and Michael Taylor, like these guys are much more likely, particularly compared to the Terry Ryan regime, which seemed very intent typically to work very fast. Check all the boxes by Christmas. Yeah, a lot of the times, yeah, because the they big were, boxes were all checked by Christmas. They right. seemed kind of deathly afraid of missing out completely. Whereas I think the Twins, in a lot of cases, feel comfortable knowing what the full scope of options are, and then they're just sort of letting yeah. things play out like musical chairs a little bit. But we always try to caution, you know. Yeah, it's Jan. It's you know January nineteenth or whatever it is today, and they haven't done anything. Well, that's often the case. But this year, and and by the time opening day rolls around or by the time spring training rolls around sometimes, I'm not saying they've built a perfect roster and everyone loved every move they made. That's still up right. for debate. But they have made moves and have changed the roster. It gets it, – it, we're like in year seven of basically saying this mantra and trying to lay this out. And I don't know that it really has made a dent in my own mindset. <laughs> so I can only assume it hasn't really made a dent in the overall fan base's mindset. But it is you know, unequivocally true right. when he says, we don't view this as needing to have a bow on it by you know January whatever. Right. But this is an extreme version of that. I mean, they've done literally nothing. Josh Stallman, <laughs> I don't want right. to downplay it, right. a $900,000 rehabbing reliever uh reclamation project signing but that's literally all they've done <laughs> right i mean they've done nothing they haven't made a minor trade they've made a couple of waiver claims signed some guys to minor league but i mean this is as little activity as you will ever see a division winning team that has you know intentions of repeating as division winners do you know with now less than a month until full squad workouts like basically three weeks until yeah. pitchers and catchers report it it's frustrating and I think that's worth talking about. And, you know, I, I do think it, it kind of takes some of the air out of the momentum balloon that the Twins had coming off the playoff run and all that. And I'm certain they're seeing it at the ticket office. Yep. And I don't know that that's necessarily their fault because it has a lot to do with the TV situation. But I, just as someone who wants to write about interesting moves and analyze things and talk to you about, I want to have an emergency show or two. You know what I mean? I, I like rushing over here yeah. to talk about something. And it just – it sucks that there is nothing to talk about. It doesn't necessarily mean the end result is going to suck. And honestly, the truth is they could do nothing and still easily win the division. Sure. They'd still yeah. be favorites I mean, to win that, the That is part of what – why – I mean, listen, there's also – the last few years it's always been 
we get to June, January, and sometimes you know they've done some stuff, but they still have forty million dollars of payroll right. room that we're looking at. Like that's often what we're sort of freaking out about. They've right? laid some groundwork. Right. Right. And and then they try to push forward. That's with right. Bigger I think one of the reasons we're probably not freaking out as much about it now is that we don't know if they've got 40, 40 million dollars right. worth of payroll. Like they're probably well, coming we know. in at like they don't. Yeah, right, yeah, they they're, might they're, have zero they're million probably dollars. Coming in on thirty million dollars less than we thought they should probably have, or 60, 40 million dollars less than they thought we right. th- we thought they should have. Um, you know, we did come into the offseason. Uh, both this year and last year, really. I, I remember two years ago, my payroll story was called something like a blank canvas. Like they had enough spots filled that they didn't necessarily need to do anything. The question right. was what are they going to do? Like what now you've got now you're not reacting, you get to you get to chart a right. course, right? It's, and they you did, don't have to target specific holes, you can just sort of right. go for the best value and the best That's right. Now that the you know the hole they filled last offseason was shortstop. That was the only real yeah. hole they had, right? I went in catcher, I guess. Right? Now they've we we entered this offseason with even more so, you know. Again, nothing they had to react to. I mean, maybe losing Sonny Gray, you know, lowers right. your. But there was no true, you know, gaping hole. Right. And I, again, it's not to say that they have the perfect roster and the rotation is amazing and everything's amazing, but you got to look at it relative to past off seasons for the right. Twins, but also just relative to the state of the average team, even the average playoff team. You know, even the Dodgers or something were like, "All right, we need three starting pitchers. We need whatever." The Twins. There is no gaping hole, and there's nothing that's sort of preventing them to, from just trotting out this group right. on opening day and being the clear favorites in the division. But there are some weaknesses. Sure, sure, sure. Right. There are, every team, every team has weaknesses. Right. But my point sort of is like this team has waited until January and February to address uh, or to really dive into free agent market stuff when they've had needs and when they've had money right. to spend. So, so when there's right. even less motivation so, to yeah, push so when, there's, yeah, when you don't have needs and you don't have money to spend, right. well, you get an offseason that looks a lot like this. I mean, an offseason where I, I still think they are – I think they are actively trying to pursue finding a you know playoff caliber pitcher out there. Yes. I don't think they're actively pursuing that on the free agent market right now. No, I don't and think I they're don't, actively I, I, pursuing I, I, anything on the free agent right. market. Uh, now, you know, it could be that – it could be that – prices don't develop the way some people think they're going to for some pitchers. It could be that they end up getting some TV money that they didn't think they were going to have. Maybe maybe that that area changes, but I think what we're all waiting for is yeah, they've got to you know, they got to figure out what they're going to do in center field. My guess is what limited money they have on payroll ends up going towards some sort of center field solution or they end up trying to handle it internally. To, you, you don't think that's going to happen. I've been saying that for a month and yeah. I I feel even stronger about that now, but I, I used to feel I kind of feel like they're still, they're but still this is not around. by the way what I would do or what I think they should do. Right, I'm just saying I think they're going to trot out Byron Buxton, and then when he gets hurt, they're going to trot out <laughs> Willie Castro, and then they're going to move from there. Basically, yeah. uh, I, I mean, at the beginning, I agree with all everything you're saying. At the beginning of the off season, or especially it was about what? Well, I mean, we got hints in the end of season chat with Falvey about the payroll, but then it was like a couple weeks later at the yeah. GM meetings yeah. when Bobby and Dan, Bobby Nightingale yeah. and Dan Hayes were there and he, he pretty much specifically yeah, just right. said the That's payroll's right. dropping. Yeah, right. Once you heard that, you know, our our kind of 
the lens through which we were kind of viewing the offseason changed completely. Right. If you notice, we didn't do our usual, here are 10 free agents the Twins should pursue, here are mid-level free agents, here are pie in the sky. We just didn't do anything because we became, and I've become increasingly convinced now, they're not doing anything of substance in free agency unless something just completely falls in their laps. So in that sense, it's not surprising to me you know, if you'd have told me in, in late November that it would now be late January and they'd have done, they'd have spent no money. Right. They'd have spent less than a million dollars. That part wouldn't surpri- have surprised me because I thought it was always feasible that they would just sort of ignore free agency other than maybe something falling into their lap. But what surprises me is I would not have guessed kind of in tandem with that the overall lack of inactivity. You could have absolutely convinced me that they weren't going to sign a free agent for more than, you know, five million bucks. Sure. I might have even predicted that, but if that were going to be the case, I would have assumed that Polanco would have been traded for a starting pitcher, or you know, Farmer would have been traded yeah. to open up some more money or whatever, or Kepler or Vasquez or you know, on and on, or some prospects to bring some. The fact that they've not spent money, you go, okay, well, we get it. That you know, it's not fun, it's frustrating, but they were pretty upfront about the fact that the payroll was dropping. I'm just surprised that in tandem with the payroll dropping and not spending any money in free agency that they haven't pulled the trigger on any trades. And it's not – I don't think – my sense is it's not through a lack of effort. Like we There were, really haven't been a lot of big free agent starting pitcher trades. I mean, there was the Glasnow thing, but that was a, a partly a contract extension right. issue, right? I, like It's not – like I think we were correct in sussing out that, you know, Polanco, Kepler, Farmer were going to be on the block. And those were their, you know, the the chips that they could put in to try to get some starting pitching. I think they're still trying to do that. I mean, I think you can sort of Occam's razor yourself into knowing they haven't gotten the offers that they want for those guys. Yeah, yeah. And you know, with Kepler, that's about four off seasons in a row with that, and it's worked out poorly in some cases. And then last year, it worked out well that they didn't trade him. With Polanco, I think they and they talk about this pretty openly, uh, Falvey at least. They put high price tags on these guys, yeah, and it's not well, they a like them, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and I do too. Yeah. I mean, I I think Jorge Polanco is the most underrated Twins player of the last of the Target Field era. Yes, and I've been a critic of Max Kepler over the years, but he was I think I put him I don't know third on my MVP team MVP ballot or something last year. Um, so yeah, you should put high price tags. I think there was some notion that they might try to move those guys for value but also for the value that they're clearing you know 10 million a piece off the sure. books would bring and i think that has sort of vanished yeah that idea yeah. and so once you take out the value of clearing payroll space which they're each owed roughly 10 million dollars and farmers owed what 6.3 now you know that's 25 30 million dollars that you could clear to do other things but i don't think they're they want to do that or they intend to do that and so then it's just a matter of value for value yeah, I mean, like we don't need to unload polanco's contract or kepler's contract cuz we don't have a domino move to spend that 10 million dollars we don't think either of those guys are overpaid at 10 million dollars we can use them it's not like they don't have a spot it's a little crowded in the infield obviously but they could sure. play julian at dh or whatever uh so then it's just a matter of we're willing to trade these guys, but we want to get value. And I also get the sense that they're not looking to trade for for prospects. Like the yeah, the value yeah, they yeah, want, yeah. and you know we've talked about that at times previously. But you know for Polanco, Kepler, Farmer specifically, that that trio, they want a pitcher. Yeah, or they want you they know, don't want to lose a 
uh, an asset for 2024 for an asset right. for 2025, That's 2026, right. 2026. And so that, sh- yeah. by the way, shrinks the pool of potential of trade partners too. Sh- because then at that right. point, you're looking for a fellow contending team, which that already eliminates half the league. Right. And that team has to need a position player, either second baseman, third baseman, or corner outfielder, uh, and have excess starting pitching that they're willing to trade from a team that plans to contend. Well, we know from Twins history, how often have they had excess starting pitching to trade from a contending team? And usually can't be in your division. Like one of the teams that might qualify for that would be cut the Guardians. True, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, And so, you you know, you've gone from, you know, when it's just prospects, prospects are like draft picks. That's the trade capital of the world uh, in baseball. It's, you know, you can always find a prospect fit. You know, if you, if you don't, if you can't get Polanco traded for a mid-rotation starter, then you just say to teams, "All right, what's your va- most value you can compile in terms of prospects, right. and we'll do it that way." Right. And maybe we can trade prospects for a starter. But if you've sort of eliminated that, then you've gone from, you know, maybe twenty teams that might have interest in a good veteran Polanco or Kepler or Farmer to maybe six teams. I don't know that. And I mean, then I, 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 within that, to, right, it's, down to one, it's like basically. how many of those six right. or eight teams have right. an excess number three starter that right. they don't need right. to get to the playoffs. A playoff caliber starter. Right. And, and right. Tr- honestly, you might be down to zero teams right. at that point. I mean, right. there's going to be a couple. You basically that, get out of the Brewers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Brewers, I think Seattle, <laughs> maybe yeah. the Brewers. I mean, there's a few that you can point to, but then it's just a matter of, are they going to give up right. some really yeah, good right. young starting pitcher or even a guy under control for a couple years for Jorge Polanco? Well, the reasons the Twins are potentially trying to trade Jorge Polanco, that's uh, you know going to be aware that everyone's going to be aware of that. So I don't know. It's a it's a tricky spot. I am trying to you know physician heal thyself. Try to tell myself the sure. things that we always say to people, which is. They don't play the games in January. They don't even play the games in February. There's a lot of time, and there's a lot of track record that suggests that that's not just a excuse, that that is actually how they tend to operate. But sitting in it right now and looking at the roster and looking at the state of this division, yeah. which is just nothing. Well, and also the state of the free agency. Like you said, there is still th- – right. this is a fairly active market for free agency, and that also reflects itself on the trade market. Like until uh, There are teams who are probably waiting on trying to – you know, there are teams like, say, the White Sox or the Marlins or the Guardians or the Brewers who have a starting pitcher that might be available who are waiting to see what teams shake out when Montgomery and Snell sign with right. somebody, right? Like, yeah, we're going to get some more suitors. Right. At the, Whoever right? missed out on Blake Snell might want to trade for Shane Bieber or right. Dylan Cease or whatever, and then that sets you know in motion some other things. So, I don't know. It doesn't make for a very interesting offseason. It makes for a, you know, just a three-month nap, <laughs> uh, basically, which sucks. I think it sucks. D- selfishly, it sucks just because I like having stuff to talk and write <laughs> you're about. You're ready. You're ready to go. Uh, but it also, it, I think it, it's, it's a, there's sort of disguised uh, negative value in it the approach beyond just the because it all stems from the tv stuff which we're going to talk about in one second and if you're losing 20 30 40 50 million dollars in immediate revenue logically it makes sense that your payroll would decline i get all that but i think if you're talking about an extra 10 million an extra 15 million again to people for whom that money means nothing family that it means nothing um, it's a rounding error. They probably right. get more in interest payments from that or whatever. Um, it's like, we, how many how many season tickets could you have sold more? Uh, how much more interest, just in general, in the team would there have been yeah. if you just 
put out a statement at the beginning of the offseason and said, yeah, revenue's going to be down because we don't know what the hell's going on with the TV deal. Who cares? We're going to bump payroll of $10 million from last <laughs> right. year. We're going to take the loss, whatever. I get why they don't do that. Sure. I wouldn't have expected this ownership group to do that. <laughs> but I, I, I just wonder if they fully realized that you, by they, the amount of air, the, the pin they put in the balloon right. on like right. mid-October yep. where this fan base was like that monkey's off the back. It's a clean slate. We saw a playoff series win. We saw a competitive loss to a very good Houston team. We saw a, a young team yep. really come together in the second half with, with future stars like Lewis and Julian and everybody that we can really get behind. Let's go. Let's go. Like this can be the first step for the for the first time in a long time you can kind with of the see Viking, through. the Viking season that was disappointing well, throughout right. the There's day. That too. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah. it's some I, apparently the Wilds think too. So uh, I didn't <laughs> yeah, know that until yesterday. Good. I looked at the standings, I was like, Oh man. Um and then just nothing. Yep. It's just like, well, we'll just sit on this for three months. And the, the other thing it does is it makes it much easier for people to trot out the same, uh, sometimes tired, sometimes accurate, you know, <laughs> cheap poll ads. And do they really have ambition beyond just winning a bad division and all that? And you leave yourself open for all that stuff. And uh, the only way to not do that is to now, over the next three or four weeks, or I guess six weeks, make some real moves that people view as improving this team. But even if you do that, and I do think they will do, they will make moves, but I've yes. been saying that for months now. Even if you do that, and on opening day, people go, this roster is pretty good. Right. You still, there was like an opportunity cost or a missed opportunity of those three or four yes. months from, you know, mid October until February, basically, where you just took all the air out of all the excitement and nobody, other than us <laughs> talked about the twins for four <laughs> months at a time when they should have been hotter than ever and the offseason should have been a big talking point on everything and it's just like no we'll see in we'll see in february speaking of talking about the twins let me just kind of lay out the podcast schedule here for the next uh, couple okay. weeks uh, we're going to be doing another free podcast but it's going to be released a week from sunday and what it's going to be is a recording of the winter meltdown. Yes. Right. Which and we're going to announce which, right now. Which, at the very least, yeah, we announced it this morning on Tuesday that the guests are going to be uh, Louis Varland and Matt Walner, both. Yes. The first time the winter meltdown has ever had current twins. Yes. Active players. Active which players. Which is a big step for right. us. Yeah, it's a big step. We, I mean, look, yes. we've had... <clears throat> what is this year ten or something of the meltdown? I mean, there's been a lot like that. of. We first one was two thousand. The first official one was two thousand fourteen. I mean, we started with like so, Scott Erickson and right. and, and we missed Jock Jones and those guys, and we Mike Pegliarillo and right. Kim yeah. Laudner, yeah. some good guys. But the last several have been, you know, Joe Nathan and Michael Kadire and Glenn, all star players. Ken Herbeck, <laughs> Glenn Herbeck. I always forget about him, and even Trevor Plouffe, who's very handsome. And was a decent player himself. Sorry, Trevor. <laughs> uh, and was a really good guest. We we got to a sort of a point in the retired player right, uh, yeah, universe right, yeah. where it was like there isn't that many other places to go here right but up. down. Right, yeah. And so I am excited that we've kind of shifted a little and opened the door towards what if we just got active right, players. Yeah, right, yeah. And I think especially coming off the playoff victory and having been in that clubhouse to see – what it meant to Caleb Theobar, Louis Varlin, Matt Walner, the trio of Minnesotans, yeah. to have the two of them, Varlin and Walner, the two rookies from, by the way, probably the best rookie class in Twins history yeah, that right, they were a big yeah. part of, to have them on together, 
Uh, I think it should be fine. I'm really excited. And, you know, it opens the door to uh, the world being our oyster for future meltdowns. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's uh, right. To there's, now we just retired players, active <laughs> future sure. players. Sure. Yeah, right. Unborn, that's right. That's right. you know. We've had active players and we've had future players show up at the meltdown. They just that's haven't true. been guests yeah, we at have. the <laughs> We've had prospects show up. <laughs> yeah. uh, prospects and, yeah, and existing players. I think next year we go for Blaze Buxton. <laughs> Is that what you think? And <laughs> just assume he'll be a future <laughs> player. Right. I don't know. He's fast. He looks pretty <laughs> athletic. Uh, so Do they yeah. get any kind of dibs on him? <laughs> yeah, they should. Well, that'd be like in the old style of, uh, I guess baseball was like this too. I know basketball used to be like this where it was just like geographic. Right. So like... You know, a guy would come out of college and he'd be like, Well, what's right. the closest yes. team to him? That's who gets them. Yeah, that's and it's right. like, Yeah, should the twins have rights to the Maurer uh, <laughs> twins or any future offspring? <laughs> Justin Morneau's got like nine kids, I know. <laughs> he told me that in the elevator one day. He goes, I got a lot of kids and they were all born the same time of year. You do the math on that. And I did the math and they were all born. Uh, about nine months after October, let's say. So, <laughs> yeah, right. um, so yeah, Louis Varlin and Matt Walner uh, should be fun. It doesn't. I, not that I disliked uh, talking to guests about the good old days and 87 and 91 yeah, yeah. and, you know, stories about garden hire and all that, but it's going to be, I think, oh, fun totally, to be totally like, different, yeah. tell me about six months ago or tell me about three months from now yeah. uh, and, and talk to two guys who I think have a unique perspective as guys who grew up watching the Twins, yeah. guys who just jumped into this thing last year for the very first time and were yeah. like, oh, yeah, we're, we're here now. We'll win. Yeah. We can win in the playoffs. Why not? Matt Walner has never played a season in which they didn't win a playoff series. Maybe that's my lead question. Were they just waiting for your big ass to show up here? We can ask him uh, about his cement bones. Yep. We can ask Louie about barking like a dog. Yep. We got. Uh, I will also just announce that that's the good news. The bad news is we are not going to have any general. We were hoping to have some tickets left yeah, over for general admission out. tickets available for like sixty bucks. Uh, we're not going to have any general admission tickets available for sixty bucks. The pre-sale gonna, sold you're it you're out. You're going basically. to have to become a Twins Daily caretaker. Uh, and if you go to twinsdaily.com today, you'll find that story about uh, Varland and uh, and uh, Walner. But though, you'll though, be able to so. listen to the show. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> the poorhouse records that, it. That's right. You, you'll be able to listen to the show. Yes. Sure. Uh, do, how does it feel? From your point of view, you've essentially entered, you know, the the Taylor Swift Beyonce realm <laughs> as ticket sellers. Is that right? Which is you you release cut sort of your pre sale VIP member code, yeah, right? And that's it. It just sells yeah. out. Yeah. As someone who t- tried and actually did get tickets for both of those women, <laughs> right? Uh, I had to get. I was on the dark web looking for <laughs> VIP access codes, and I was texting people I, have, I haven't talked to in 10 years being like, you used to work for First Avenue, right? Do you have any... How does it feel now that Twins Daily is the VIP access to, code sellout? It bums me out a little bit. To be honest, I, w- I would like to be able to offer. You know me. I'm a big tent guy. I want, uh, I want yeah, as many true. people to, to show up as we can. What if you did it like... Uh, I, I didn't but want. There's only it. so many pint glasses. There's only so much well, beer. <laughs> we could so do old of, pint glasses. So big of an arena. That's yeah. true. You could do. You could become what WrestleMania, the WWE, has done, which now it's a two night event. <laughs> okay. Maybe All the right. meltdown All night right. one VIPs, night two just the schmoes. You know what I mean? Maybe <laughs> I'll like, lead maybe, that group. You yeah, lead the VIPs. I'll be in charge of the schmoes. That's a good idea. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, winter meltdown, which is a Saturday night. Yeah, and, and so and so we'll release that as a free podcast. I think Sunday morning usually when we can do it. I I've got to get the MP. Depends on my ability to get the MP3 for the poor yeah. else on Saturday night, which can be sometimes. Let's shaky. say this: you'll be able to listen to it Monday morning. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> some I didn't say which Monday morning. Some Monday morning <laughs> you'll right. be able to. Listen. So that'll be the next free one, and then we'll probably have another free one the week after that. 
Uh, I think we'll have a Patreon sometime next week. I don't exactly know which yeah. one we're going to be doing. There is always, I hesitate to call it news, but you know, at Twins Fest, right. there will be players and managers and front office there speaking to media members right. and you know, giving interviews and stuff. And so there will be at least you know, some chatter to talk about, I'm sure, that yes. we can maybe do on the Patreon side or something. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe Louis Varlin or Matt Walner will say it's just something unbelievable. On stage at the meltdown that we just have to do an emergency episode about. Like, they're both announcing their retirement. They're going out on a high note. Something like that, you know. Yeah. I don't think that's probably likely. But we will. We, I mean, and we started getting some twins news, some uh, kind of not player related news, but business uh, organization related news. We're going to get to that in a second. But first, let's cover a couple of our sponsors. First sponsor, a longtime sponsor, and then we're going to follow up with a new sponsor. Longtime sponsor is BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp is a uh, service that allows you to do your therapy from a licensed therapist online uh, and uh, virtually, uh, either via chat or via Zoom or via however you want to be able to do it. Yeah, they'll customize it to your comfort level, basically. Which I'm sure, you know, is not maybe the ideal way you vote. Maybe it is for some of you the ideal way you want to do therapy. Maybe you always picture yourself doing therapy sitting down and, you know, sitting on a couch or something like that. You can still do that. Yeah, you can can still do that. Put those those, uh, (laughs) headphones in and just lie down. But, you know, as somebody who has sought therapy, uh, I tell you. Uh, the obstacles finding a therapist are not insignificant. Yeah, a lot of hoops you got to jump. Through. Well, you got to get recommendations from people, and you know you don't want to talk to people about it. Then you've got to find the therapist. That that therapist have to have time on their calendar. Then they have to have to march up with your calendar. And then they have to can't be too far away. John, it sounds like you need therapy for your finding <laughs> Honest therapist. To God, the, the idea with BetterHelp is you wake up one day and you go, "I'm ready to talk to somebody about right. fill in the blank." Go to BetterHelp.com. Slash Gleeman. Right. You can get 10% off your first month. They can set you up with a real licensed therapist within days yeah. uh, and, and customize it to your comfort level, basically. So and that's, it's a little more affordable as well. You can celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Gleeman today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Gleeman. And this one uh, I've been wanting to talk about for four or five weeks now because yes. I got their meals. Uh, let me, I'm going to do it, I think, the opposite of the way they kind of plan on doing it. I'm going to talk a little bit about the meals. The meals themselves, it's a, it's a meal prep service. Called gets Factor. De- Factor. Gets de- delivered to you. And the, what struck me about it was the meals and how good they were. Um, a, they're very health-conscious meals. Uh, you know, exactly. If you're looking for, you know, a, a decent supper, but not too high in calories, but also something that is really good. Like they had a butter chicken, which is really kind of a curry chicken one, that I would order at a restaurant. Like yes. It was that good. And now I get to the part where you're not going to believe me. <laughs> after after setting that up, here's the part you're not going to believe. They're microwavable. They just they're super two minutes easy, super two, easy. two minutes in the microwave. That was the part I liked. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I mean, the food was good. It's I had a, I had a, I mean, it's fa- a lot faster than DoorDash. <laughs> yeah, and a lot cheaper than DoorDash, yeah, yeah, right, which we'll get to in a second. Right, yes. But I had a, a pork and rice that was really good. Nice yeah. spicy pork. It was really good. And yeah, it's ready within minutes. They also have like snack options, breakfast stuff, smoothies, juices, all that. But you know, we they sent us some samples or examples of the. You know, just lunches and dinners, yeah. basically. Yeah, they've got different types. They have like a protein plus selection. They've got a keto selection. Like whatever sort of, uh, you know, food resolutions you've made this year, yeah. my God, are they the ones? Or I mean, if you're just like they, me they, and you, you're I, just like, I want the thing yeah, that tastes the yeah, best. Yeah, talk, yeah, talk about they ba- have that too. Talk about taking down all the barriers. They're doing it all. Yeah. So if you go to Factor, 
F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash Gleeman50, and use the code Gleeman50, you get 50% off. That's the code Gleeman50, Gleeman50, at factormeals.com slash Gleeman50, and you will get 50% off. You can give it a try and see if you agree with us that uh, it's pretty good. And if you you get the butter chicken, (laughs) John might just come over and eat some. He just told me I got to get more of that butter. Get two if you're going to get the butter chicken. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, yeah, so Twins Fest coming up. it's a shame. I mean, this is clearly their intention, clearly, at like the worst case scenario, I'm certain, for instance, Dave St. Peter would have said, I'm sure, in November. Well, at least if we got something to announce at Twins Fest right, yeah. on the TV side. Well, they're, they're not going to have something to announce at Twins Fest. I don't <laughs> think. I mean, that would be miraculous at this point. But so, I mean, I think that's the shame of it. And also, Twins Fest, it's a celebratory thing. It's a lot of celebrating history, obviously. Sure. And it's for kids and stuff. But there's also... Usually a component of, well, hey, there's Carlos Correa who we just signed, or hey, yeah, there's yes. so and so we just right. traded for, and right. it's sort of a this is what we're doing, this is why we're getting you hyped for the season. I mean, it is promotion right. for yes. the season, and the the idea that there's nothing to really trot out there. Hey, we won some postseason games yeah. back in October, hey, <laughs> which is I yeah. think they should probably leave it. Royce Lewis, right. he's right. still good. Matt <laughs> yeah. Walner right. and Louis Varlin, they're still good. Not according to Zips. Uh, <laughs> no, Lewis <laughs> has a good good. Uh, and so I think that's uh, also something they're probably not real thrilled about is like their sort right. of flagship of off-season heading into spring training event. There's no real opportunity. If anything, it kind of lays bare what they haven't done, which right. is uh, all that. Also coming up, Tuesday, the 23rd, is the Hall of Fame announcement, uh, which is will be 5 p.m. Minnesota time on MLB Network. They do a show live from Cooperstown. I got the press release on that yesterday. Um Joe Maurer, as of last night, was at a shade under 84% on almost 50% of precincts reporting, 50% (laughs) of ballots known uh, based on the estimate of the ballots that are out there. You can do the math on that. He needs to be at 75%. They don't round up. You got to be at least 75.0%. If you're at 83.8% with about 48% reporting, if he's even in the high 60s, sixty-seven yeah, percent or I mean, he's, better, he's good to go. Right. I, you never, I, I, nothing's guaranteed with this stuff. It can get wacky. The, right. the unknown ballots, in particular, the people who are prone to not wanting their ballots known, mm-hmm. either from like a moral perspective, a kind of jerk perspective, or a old guy not into technology perspective, <laughs> right, where yeah. he just casts his ballot right. and that's it. They tend to be in my mind at least worse ballots or weirder ballots or less predictable ballots i guess and so anything could happen if he gets 50 percent on those ballots he's not going to make it but i would say twins fans could could probably book some flights to cooperstown if they really want to save now yeah, right. uh you yep. can do it i mean he's he's going to get in and he's going to get on the first ballot and uh i saw i said this on twitter and a couple replies were like well i don't really see him as a first ballot guy and I was like, well, unfortunately, if you tune you in are, Tuesday, you, you are, are going to see You it. are incorrect. <laughs> so doesn't yeah. matter what you see right. it as. Yep. Um, and I'm uh, I'm glad about that. And so that, I think, will be a fun aspect of Twins yeah. Fest, too. You're right. To that, will be the t- that will be the t- the latest. They're of, saved by the hour. It's true. Yeah. 
You know Maurer. He's going <laughs> to go nuts with the PR. And the, <laughs> yeah. Although he's going to be on uh, our friend Dana Wessel's radio show Friday. He's going to be on Common Man today. Today? Oh, yeah, I guess those are both D- today. Dana Wessel was already, oh, probably. Oh, yeah, they do morning. <laughs> That's right. Common this afternoon. So he's making the rounds. He's making the rounds. So because he's got a uh, children's book written about it by Joe Schmidt. Yes. That's, uh, uh, part that's of it. it. It's interesting. There's always there's always pros and cons to anything in life, no matter how good. And the pro, obviously, is you've had an incredible baseball career. You've made hundreds of millions of dollars. You're beloved in your home city or your home state, uh, and you're going to be in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. The cons are you have to wake up at like 5.30 a.m. to talk to Dana Wessel, <laughs> and then just when you finish that, and you think, okay, now I can go back to sleep, uh, you can talk to Common Man. Common Brandon. Common Man. Uh, that's, you know, pros and cons of everything. I only say common. I would never rip Brandon. I like Brandon. I like common too, but he's, he's more rippable. I feel like it's part of the bit, you know? Uh, so that's coming up too. And then, let's see, there was one other thing. Oh, uh, Rocco Boldelli was on uh, Twins Radio. They do like a weekly show with Chris Atterbury, who's now taken over the lead role from Corey Provis. Right. And he interviewed Falvey last week and interviewed yesterday, the day before, Rocco Baldelli. And the, the big news was... Uh, Chris Atterbury was like, who's your opening day starter? And he goes, oh, Pablo Lopez. And I just, I could feel the pain in Phil Miller, who has spent his, his whole life annoying Major League managers from basically February 14th until opening day with daily questions in uh, Fort Myers. Atterbury, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Who's your opening day starter? To the point How that, are we going to break the ice yeah. at every press conference we have you know with what Michael Baldelli in spring training? You got a number two starter yet? <laughs> It works just as well, right? Yeah, I mean, that was we did our uh, we did their end of season sit down with like I don't know there were like eight or ten media members there with Falvey and and uh, Baldelli like just days after the elimination from the playoffs, and somebody was like, "Who wants to lead off? Like, who wants to ask the first question?" And Phil was like, "Who's your opening day starter?" <laughs> and yeah, it's uh, it's nice. He says, do you know your opening yeah, day starter? You, well, he, and Rocco says, yes, I do. That's the beauty of Phil. Because <laughs> Phil will come up with, you know, he gets there on February 10th and he leaves on March 30th <laughs> right, or whatever. Right, right. And every day in between, he comes up with a slightly different version of who's your opening day starter. <laughs> do you know your opening day starter? The problem with that is he'll say, yeah, I do know. Yes, I'm not going to tell you. Well, okay. <laughs> exactly, back to the yeah, drawing board. Right, yeah. Is it, Does anyone else know your opening day starter? Yeah, the coaches know it, but we're not going to tell you. Okay. Could I guess your opening day Have starter? Have you revealed your opening day yeah. starter? <laughs> Does the opening day starter know? He's, I mean, I've heard them all from Phil, and so now Phil's his big, his number one bit. Although, really, Phil is just a bit. Phil's <laughs> bit is Phil. Yeah, you know what true, I mean? Like true, he doesn't. Like at the end, like Rodney Dangerfield's bit was just he's Rodney, and so it's yeah. He doesn't need a specific joke. So Pablo Lopez will be your number one starter. Who's the number two starter? Decent question. <laughs> is the number two starter yet to be acquired? That's sort of right. the bigger thing about the offseason. Who's your leadoff hitter? How about that one? No, he'll never. He won't answer that <laughs> the day of a game. Like, w- before the lineup is up. Yeah, he won't be like, no, Julian. He'll be he like, after, after the lineup's up. Yeah, right. The guy's got three at-bats. Can you confirm that Julian has three at-bats on a leadoff spot? Eh. I'll, I'll, let me think about it a little more. Um, we uh, Before we get to the TV stuff, just to give a little plug to the on the Patreon side, we did a two-hour, over two-hour show just strictly devoted to prospect talk right like a week ago and i went through we went through top my 40 prospects. my whole top 40 list right talked about the top 10 or 15 pretty in depth and then kind of jumped around after that and i spotlighted a few guys to kind of watch under the radar guys we talked a lot about you know walker jenkins and brooks lee and, and manuel rodriguez and david festa and all the guys 
that fans should look forward to seeing. We're going to, at the end of this episode, give you a little like 10-minute clip of the Walker Jenkins, right? Uh, the start of the Walker Jenkins discussion, uh, just so that if you're into prospects, and I know a lot of you guys are, right. hi, Seth, uh, <laughs> and you think, oh, this 12-minute discussion of Walker Jenkins is pretty interesting. I'd like to hear a similar discussion of Brooks Lee and Emmanuel Rodriguez and whoever, then just go to patreon.com slash Gleeman and, and sign up for it. If 10 minutes of, of Walker Jenkins is you know scratches that itch for you, <laughs> That's fine. Too. Scratch away. Yeah. Scratch away. <laughs> uh, okay. I just want to make sure I have. Uh, all right. That's all I got. So, TV situation. Uh, the this ongoing bankruptcy trial or court case is uh, was pushed back, and then like right before they were supposed to kind of resume it and hope they were. I think the idea was to sort of get this thing across the goal line one right. way or the other. MLB. <laughs> claims they were blindsided by that they were yeah. not given any heads up about this MLB's lawyers and stuff. The announcement by Diamond Sports Group, which the uh, pecking order of this billion dollar conglomerate goes Sinclair Media right. is the one that owns it all. Google them, by the way. You'll, <laughs> there's a lot to read. You throw yourself down a flight of stairs. Yeah. Um, that's how you get starting pictures, though, John. Mm-hmm. That, we've established that. <laughs> uh, then within that big umbrella is Diamond Sports Group, right. which is which sp- owns all the regional sports networks. Right. They're right. sort of the, the, the department and, that and has all re- the They own the regional sports networks, and they own the streaming, uh, a streaming platform that they have for the uh, teams that they have under contract. Yes, an occasionally functional sc- streaming platform. <laughs> I say that as a Timberwolves fan. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, and then with under that umbrella is, you know, Bally Sports North. Are the regional sports Bally networks. Sports right. Ohio right. or ba- each individual one. So those are we're going to mix these names, so don't get confused yeah, yeah. by that. So Diamond Sports Group, the umbrella above all these, uh, I think it was 14 different regional networks, I something think, something like, like that. Uh, the Twins were just recently – have become not part of that group, but they're potentially going to re-become part of it. They announced two days ago, we just got a $115 million investment from well, Amazon. They did more than just announce it. What they did is they filed a restructuring deal for their bankruptcy right. based on this additional piece. And that's an additional piece that basically the big news out of it was we're adding Amazon as a minority investor. They're going to throw in a hundred and some million dollars or something. 115. I think they either bought 10 or 15% with an option to then throw in another, another, 50. another 50 million to get like another 5% or whatever something it is. Something like but that. But they right? also got several hundred million total. Right. Uh, that includes the Amazon bit to sort of save them from immediate bankruptcy, right. basically to right. to and prop them up for short term at least, so that the whole thing doesn't crash and break right. apart. And as part of that, they also went to some of their creditors and did that as well to sort of here's how we're going to distribute some of the money. Here's we, right. they've worked out deals with a number of their creditors such that those creditors are also signed up for. Also okay with bringing them out of bankruptcy. Now they haven't done it with a hundred percent of their creditors, right. but there's a you know certain level of tier one, tier two, tier three bankruptcy people. Uh, tier, you know, creditors lined up at tier one, tier two, right. and tier three in the bankruptcy thing, and you know sixty percent of this level has been taken care of, and fifty percent of this level has been taken care of. That sort of thing. Yeah, so. think if you owe a whole bunch of people twenty dollars each, 
Right. There's an order in your head in which you need to pay them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's some guys who are scarier and, than and, others. And they, you know, despite the fact that you owe them twenty dollars, tier one might be willing to say, "Listen, if we can just get this done, I'll take twelve, and we'll call right. it a day." Which is a big part of it. And right. also, it's worth noting. I didn't do the exact math on the valuation here, but you know, to get 115 million from Amazon for 15 percent or whatever it is, that values the entire thing at roughly I don't know a billion. They paid eight billion for it, Diamond right? Yeah. right. Or I mean, Sinclair, and, and, and they're eight billion dollars in right. In so that right tells now. you how yeah, right. the House of Cards has right. essentially collapsed. But before people sort of cleared all the cards off the table and right. just said there is nothing left, Amazon and a couple other people swooped in and said. Maybe we can salvage this and kind of turn it into something that we would like. And with Amazon, it's pretty easy to see their play here, which right. is, you know, Amazon has paid ridiculous amounts of money to get Thursday night football. Uh, they also have, you know, Yes Network Yankees games and some other kind of one-off games once a week or something on their streaming platform as part of uh, Amazon Prime. And, you know, with NBA – NHL is a different story because all those teams in sort of taking control of the local channels, you're also getting the streaming rights for NHL and NBA teams. But MLB has a different setup for the streaming rights, maybe smartly, maybe not, um, where only five of the 14 teams, and it's not the five you'd necessarily want. It's like the Marlins, the Rays, the Brewers, the Tigers, and somebody – um, it's not huge market successful teams necessarily. Only five teams have their streaming rights attached to their television rights, basically. Right. Still. And, still. <laughs> the Twins used to, and it's separated, yes. right. And so when Amazon swoops in and buys up a percentage and basically says, we're going to become the streaming platform for these NHL, NBA, but also MLB teams, where instead of paying – to Bally to use their horrible app, right. you pay Amazon or sign up for Amazon Prime to lo- to use their slightly less horrible app. Uh, <laughs> I-, I use it, so you know whatever. But the problem with MLB is they only would have control as is, as currently constructed. They would only have control and the ability to stream and sell streaming rights to those five teams. The Twins aren't one of them. The Rangers aren't one of them. The guard, you know, the the more desirable teams would not be one of them. But all things can be negotiated, as the million dollar man said. Everyone's got a price. Right. I think that is what my assumption is. There that they're eyeing is let's take minority control, but really they're at the wheel here because they have the billions. Right. And Diamond Sports Group is struggling. Let's know that we can stream and sell streaming to those five teams, but let's also say to the other eight or ten teams under that umbrella for whom we don't currently have streaming rights. What would it take to get the streaming rights? We'd like to offer 12 teams or 14 teams or whatever. But from MLB's standpoint, I think their ultimate goal is to get all those teams paid what they're owed for this upcoming season, to maybe loop the Twins back in on a one-year deal at something as close to the $55 on that they previously got as possible, and then put an ax down on this whole – thing and separate it after the 2024 season to the point that then MLB has 14 or 15 teams that are free agents and you can then offer those basically half the league as a package deal to right. Amazon or Apple TV or you know fill in the blank big streaming provider at which point you can leverage yourself more than just saying 
How much will you pay for Cleveland Guardians? Well, I mean, that, that's part of the That can happen if they end up going bankrupt, right? But not right. all of these teams' television contracts end after next yes, year. Yes, but a right? lot of them do. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, sev- I mean, several of them do, right? So, I mean, that, you know, if... And the if, Twins is already if, done. If obviously. the... If, you know, essentially they... they st- out of bankruptcy court, or they, you know, they they figure out a way out of bankruptcy, and they are able to retain the contracts that they have with, say, the Texas Rangers for 10 years or something, Major League Baseball can't necessarily yes. include the Texas but Rangers in that here's group the of thing. 15 thing. They're not going to do that. Because the Texas Rangers, to use them as an example, they're the reigning champs, huge market, obviously. Their television deal has multiple years left on it, you're right. And they're a desirable team, obviously, to have rights to. But they're current deal pays them 110 million dollars a year right if you're mlb and certainly if you're the texas rangers whatever your big picture plan of we're going to get half the league and we're going to offer it to apple or right. amazon yes. for billions and all that well okay yeah great except within that if they want to continue paying the texas rangers 110 million dollars per year as per the terms of the previous deal that's amazing for right. the texas yes, rangers. No, agreed yes what's good but they're not going to do that I mean, they're already almost to the point where they're not paying that, not because right. they're going bankrupt. I mean, it was part of the bankruptcy proceedings, but the Rangers and the Guardians, they determined the Guardians were at $55 million a year. They're not worth the money. We can't continue to pay this. Now, maybe Amazon ha- changes the viewpoint <laughs> well, of that. that's what I'm saying. Right. But in general, I don't think there's a scenario where even Amazon, as you know, wild as their ability to throw around money is, is going to view paying $110 million a year for Texas I mean, Rangers. I think when Amazon is paying for things like Thursday night football or yeah, whatever that's the That's a totally different they- boat. That's a totally different – football is its own well, thing it's, now. Well, it's a fair I, point. I, I wish that weren't the case. I wish right. baseball were anywhere near football, yeah. but, I mean, it's beyond time to yeah. recognize that I mean, it isn't. W- it, totally it, different animal. The whole thing sort of now has turned into a little bit of a – I mean, it's a much more interesting game to watch than it was between Major League Baseball. You mean and the, the back and forth. That, that's right. The yeah. back and forth. It's a much more interesting match. Don't say a game to watch because that's what the whole thing <laughs> yeah, I was like, what's a game? a fair point, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the the – Essentially, a lot of people are starting to call. You know, are they calling a bluff? Are they really going to go? Are they going to be able to get out of bankruptcy? Are they going to be able to? You know, if we, if Major League Baseball teams, who are some of the creditors in this lawsuit, end up approaching uh, or end up um, opposing it in the bankruptcy court, well, does the judge still say, "No, this is still the best way out of this thing. We're going to we're going to go ahead and do it." And you guys are, and I mean that would certainly be a legitimate thing for the judge to say because the judge can say, you made this deal before you were happy with it two years ago. Right. Why wouldn't you just keep with it? You know? Um, so, and if, we, if they're going to continue to pay you going forward, if they're not going to continue to pay, pay you going forward, well, then we'll go back into bankruptcy. Yes, that's that the way, right? Itself, that's certainly, that's right. The, mo- the moment they default on or just skip payment on, you right. know, the, the quarterly right. 25 million they owe to the Rangers, well, then it's over. I mean, they've already—that's what they did to the Diamond or the Diamondbacks and the Padres. Um, they're threatening to do that to the Rangers and the Guardians, or they were before this week, basically. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, so, and it's, from Amazon standpoint, a company that had previously been worth eight billion dollars just a few years ago, right? They're getting twenty percent of it for one tenth of the cost, right. right? And primarily, they're able to do that because of two things. Uh, first, they've got a streaming platform that people somewhat trust right. i mean listen the nfl network trusts it no i, right? I mean i joke because it goes out sometimes but right, it's right. a thousand times better than the bally streaming. exactly exactly right right so as such uh, and i'll get to why that's important in a second and the thing is they're just amazon now they're a partner and they've got enough money 
to do anything right. they, they want. Can, they can do things at scale that even billion-dollar corporations right. like Diamond Sports can't even comprehend. Right. Like, and, and so you're, if you're somebody like the Rangers who are like, ah, oh, they're never going to pay us $110 million one way or the other, they can say, well, again, Amazon is a minority owner. Maybe they can. And the reason the, the Amazon Prime is so important is because while the twins were determined to separate their TV and streaming rights uh, you know, prior to this, yeah, that was part largely because of this ma- mismanagement of their streaming rights right. by Diamond Sports. Well, I mean, if Amazon's in the game and Amazon's a partial owner and Amazon Prime is a platform that's there, well, maybe those st- – and you might have, you know, you're in negotiations with them, so you have some say you, right. to the negoti- uh, on how those streaming rights are used and to who to extent that they are shared with well, right, people. That's the thing. Like all these things can be, you, you can go uh, from the twins. They can be like, hold it. Like three years ago, we were doing cartwheels over the fact that we're getting fifty five million dollars a year by giving away our TV and streaming rights, provided that the people can actually stream things. Right. Right. But well, when two thirds of your audience couldn't even stream it right. for the past two seasons, and then that changes. Well, the- now suddenly your partner is like, no, we can go back to that and but we can actually make sure that people stream within that i think that's all right but within that part of the reason they once this deal expired the twins kind of played right. up the well now we have control of TV, right. our tv yes. and our streaming right and they're separate we're not just gonna give right. streaming if even if we re-sign with bally now right. this has changed perhaps in the last week like we're saying but as of a week ago even if we go back to bally on a one-year deal let's say right. for 35 million or whatever right. just sort of you know, kick the can down the road on this decision. We'll at least broadcast. Well, they weren't just going to hand them the streaming rights as right. part of that right. unless they got paid for it. And that's really, right. you know, there are reasons to separate from the twins' perspective to separate out streaming rights. Part of it is we just want to ensure that the most possible people can view our product, which was a right. huge failure the past, right? What, two years or three years, I yeah, guess. Yeah. But really, the reason to separate streaming from TV is leverage. Which is streaming, sure. the value of right. streaming relative to the value of TV was completely different five years ago. Exactly right. And yeah. so now streaming is probably as valuable or perhaps I would argue more valuable. Right. And so now they don't have to just view them as, oh, yeah, you pay f- to broadcast our TV on games on TV and obviously you get the streaming rights too. Well, hell no. Right. You yeah. you want to pay to broadcast TV? All right. You also want to pay X right. amount to do streaming or we can sell that to someone else because that – as a standalone thing or as a separate entity has as much or more value. And so then ultimately what you're looking for, if you're going to be on Amazon by way of Bally, right. I mean, it would still be the Bally broadcast. You would still get it on television on, you know, channel 668 on direct TV. I don't know what the hell it is. What do you got? Com- you got Comcast? I got Comcast. What is it on Comcast? Uh, 863. That's annoying. Why are these such annoying channels? <laughs> you'll still I mean, there's also four something, but you'll still get it on those on television. Right. But then if you're a cord cutter or you just live outside the state or whatever the case, instead of trying to get on the Bally app and the twice a week when it's working and all the right. blackout stuff that existed previously, you just go to Amazon.com, the world's biggest website. <laughs> yeah, and right. you know, you click on today's major league baseball right. games or whatever. And so the I think you're right that the Twins or other teams would should have a lot more confidence if that is Amazon's plan that Amazon can run that more functionally right. both in terms of quality but also quantity. But it's still the same question of what are you going to pay for it? Right. Yeah. Right. Like if you're the Twins or you're the Guardians or you're, you're the Rangers or whatever like yeah as long as you keep paying us 110 million dollars a year fine. 
But the moment you skip a payment or you try to pay us $70 million a year, sure. well, yeah, we don't have to stay with you. Right. And I think that's the, that's the level of uncertainty that still exists, even though this was a big change this past week. But there's so much uncertainty still with even people much smarter and more well-versed in this stuff than us are kind of like, well, yeah, this changes the, the, the outlook of this. But it's still not clear like what the next step is necessarily or how agreeable or kind of in tandem both sides are. Here's the thing. Like as recently as a year and a half ago, two years ago, it was reported that, you know, Bally was still willing to – was ready to renew a deal with the Twins. And it was going to be again for like 50 to $60 million. Right. It just had to include both TV and streaming. Right. Rates. Now from the Twins standpoint, they didn't want to do that. And there was for two reasons. The first is um, – they didn't know they, they didn't trust them with the streaming rights, and the second is, well, they didn't know if they were going to get paid that money anyway. Right. Well, now Amazon kind of solves both those problems potentially. <laughs> potentially solves both those problems, right? Yeah. And so you know, suddenly it's like the what, now I think what a lot of people are kind of wondering is, is this does this mean the twins have money to spend this offseason? It does not mean the twins have money to spend this offseason. It, I mean, it the outlook looks brighter for that. But part of the question on this is sort of what's the timeline on this? Like this, they right. have to come out of February first. The twins have to was right. the date that Amazon and Bell or right. Diamond Sports right. gave right. that they would like to hear back from teams like the Twins. Right. First of all, the Twins don't have a contract with anybody, right? So the Twins right. are in a much different situation. Right. They're just even. a creditor in the bankruptcy case, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so they would have to sign a new contract, whereas I the think, other teams I think just have to basically keep their existing contract in right. place or renegotiate their existing contract. So, for, and, and the Twins aren't going to want to resign and uh, sign a a uh, contract with a new contract with them until they know <clears throat> that they're back out of bankruptcy and that Amazon is actually right. a partner and that this deal has gone through because the deal has not gone through until the, until the bankruptcy judge. Well, the only was, reason they're doing this deal is tell the bankruptcy judge, right. you know, th- this is a, this is a suggested restructuring of the, the company that they're putting before the bankruptcy judge. So none of it is Amazon isn't officially an owner of this thing until right. that all it's gets a proposal approved. basically. Right. Or it's That's a, right. Theoretic. And I thought the reaction from MLB's lawyers were very interesting, which is they essentially said, I don't quite buy this, but they essentially said, this is all news to us. Somebody could have told us this yesterday, huh? Right. Like, yeah. We need time <laughs> right. now to right. look at the proposal and look at the, what the structure of this thing would be. I don't buy that they're completely caught off guard by it, but to some extent. They, they, they heard some rumors about it probably, right. but yeah. And, you know, the we always try to put this in like, you know, layman's or regular people terms because we're talking about billions of dollars and big corporations and everything, but you know, your point was a good one, which is you need to have faith if you're the twins, because that's who we care about here, really. If you're the twins, that whoever your streaming provider is can have the ease <laughs> with which people can actually stream right. the damn thing. Right. And that doesn't exist right now. Right. And it hasn't existed for several years. Theoretically, there's no one that you would feel more, you know, maybe Netflix or something like that. But I mean, Amazon's right. top five, let's right. call it, yeah. in that, right. where you. Look, they, I'm not saying they do everything well or even most things well and people have issues with Amazon and all that. But if you just want to watch some video, right. Amazon's one of the places that you can feel pretty confident that it's not going to be down. Right. It's not going to be laggy or whatever. So that checks that box, obviously. But the other box is, and what you also said is, you also got to be confident. You can talk about all the numbers you want, $55 million. They could offer you $20 billion to do Twins games. Right. But they ain't going to actually pay you. Who cares? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like – you know, John, let's go to lunch. You pay now, I'll pay you back tomorrow. Well, if you know I'm not paying you back tomorrow, that's right. not a yeah. good deal for you. Theoretically, Amazon has the biggest pockets possible, obviously. You know, biggest wallet possible. And if 
but they've only invested 115 million dollars, right. which for them is nothing. Right. That's I mean, it, uh, th- that was my one Thursday night well, football game costs that right. much. When I saw that number, what I thought was, listen, they went to Amazon because they wanted Amazon as a partner because of their platform. But they said to Amazon, Amazon, you, you've got. We'll do this, but you've got to have some actual skin in the right. game here. Like you've got to, you've got to have some money involved. We can't just give you this as part you of know, the partnership, right? Um, Plus, it would tank the valuation so, and, and completely. So, so okay, uh, uh, we'll do a hundred. You know, we we'll come up with one hundred fifteen million dollars to put to show we have some skin in the game. But we better get some TV rights out of it so that right. this all goes south next year. Every Major League right. Baseball team blow out of here. We can't get the streaming rights to anything. We've at least gotten something for a hundred. Yeah, they have an immediate dollars. product that they can start to generate revenue right. with from I mean, the Amazon I, standpoint. I, I, I love I love seeing deals like this. Here's the only thing I'll say, and then we'll move on. Um, Theoretically, whether Amazon puts a dollar in it or 115 million, they're part of it now. They're in, they're 15 percent, right. potentially yes. 20 right. or more percent. So you would assume I haven't seen the structure of the deal. You would assume as part of that they're part of losses too. In other words, if more capital is required, maybe to yeah. bring back the Twins, yeah. to pay the Rangers, to do streaming rights renegotiations with these ten teams that aren't that, because that's going to cost sure. more money. Yep, yep. They're not going to give you that for free just because you, right. you know, you deliver uh, stuff in a day uh, off your website. The 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 pockets out of which that money is going to come is presumably Amazon, and so yeah, it's only one hundred fifteen million. And if that's the end of their investment and they said, you're on your own now, right. you let us know what games we're streaming, well, then you're still just sort of Maybe. back at the starting I mean, it, point. It, it can, but if Amazon is the one that can then be the, the wallet to make these other things happen, right. well, then that money's endless. And then that changes the entire – to me. Well, and that wallet can be based on, you know, uh, we get increased equity every time we end up having to, you know, right. fund you that's, out of this sort see, of thing, right? My presumption is that's where this is headed. Maybe. If this is approved and if they can – get some of these teams signed to longer term, you know, beyond 2024 deals, I will be absolutely shocked if Amazon is still not a majority owner of this whole thing, you know, within three or four years. Perhaps. Yeah. Because once you have 20%, I mean, I, listen, I'm no, I'm no business genius, but once a company that's a thousand times has a thousand times more money than the company they're buying into. Maybe. Once they get their hooks on 20% and they know, by the way, the place that owns the remaining 80% can't pay their bills, right. you can just keep creeping your way by yeah, you can. giving them more capital you and can. you just can eventually have 50%, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I would rather have Amazon own it than Bally or I Diamond. Love, I would love to know what sort of deal they have set up in terms of like, because if this ends up being, you know, you have to get Amazon to be able to to watch these games, you have to right. become an Amazon Prime, you know, subscriber. Well, that's the play right? that they're doing, obviously. How does how does I mean I I get how Amazon gets their money. Then <laughs> my question is how does how does uh, Diamond from get the, their money from the like, TV side? Yeah, well, yeah I suppose they're still so. getting the same money well, that they would maybe, and, yeah, and ads from the be. TV side. I wondered if Amazon's like okay for every sub, you know new subscriber we figured out you know this percentage of it goes to you right. guys as revenue. I don't know. It's, it's a fascinating. I, I'm. I would love to hear the story of behind this deal. I agree, and somebody will write something great on this, I'm sure, at some point. Or, by the way, this time next week, it may have been rejected. Right, yeah, that's true. And the whole yeah. we'll be back where we started. Right. But it is fascinating, and it is, as as Hail Mary attempts go, Right. this is a hell of oh, a Hail oh, Mary attempt. Pure brilliant. This is a Doug Flutie oh. thrown into the end zone 
for right. uh, Boston College. Like yeah. Amazon is the guy you want throwing the Hail Mary, or at least I guess yeah. catching the Hail Mary. Like yeah. you couldn't have come up with a uh, more viable theoretic theoretical partner yeah. than Amazon. So this, Amazon, this, we'll see. it looks like artistry, honestly, it's it, to, to kind of get all these different things done. See, I, out. Very creative. What I wonder is if this is not Amazon, you know, smelling blood in the water. Oh, for sure it is. I mean, it is, but I wonder if that's right. the whole thing. And that's, you know, you're saying 115 million isn't a lot, but they had to get some skin in the game. I mean, let's be honest, that's no skin for Amazon. Well, maybe. And yeah. I think... Yes, you'd prefer anyone you partner with to have some skin in the game, but I mean, I think that just speaks to how little this the how little value this thing holds on its own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, could be. If not propped up by a hail mary, Amazon swooping in, which means it's gone from eight billion to one billion plus. Like you said, you could have be. billions in right. in um, not uh, you owe money. What the hell is the word? Debit? Debt? Ooh, debt, my God. <laughs> I like that we just had like a 30-minute where we pretend to be like, you know, MBAs, and then I can't remember the word for debt. debt. That's the show in a nutshell right there. We talk about it, and then I'll go, John, what's the word for the green thing you hand people when you want to buy something? And you're like, Utensil you used to dig food? Yeah, my God. I get more and more where you could just, it's like the words are books on a shelf, <laughs> and you go reach for the book that you know is there, and it's just not there. It's been checked out yeah, of a yeah, library. And you go, well, hell, the word debt is just not there. What am I looking for? Right. Anyway, it's probably a sign of early dementia. Bit, yeah. Early dementia. Sure. Not even that early. I'm pretty no, old. So. Um, okay. So that's the TV situation. We So February 1 is sort of their preferred deadline to hear back from teams like the Twins. I mean, certainly most of the articles about this – have talked about three teams in particular, the Rangers, who we just talked about, the Guardians, who they basically said, you guys aren't worth $55 million a year, we're going to drop you, right. and the Twins, who were being paid $55 million a year and had their contract expire. They're the only ones unsigned from that right. initial group. So there still might be a one-year deal or right. something and like that right now. You'll see in almost every article, including the one that The Athletic wrote, which I thought was good, by Evan Drellick, that the Twins are included with the Rangers and the Guardians as sort of the the big storyline teams here because I think the assumption is, what we've speculated about for at least a few weeks now, is that they're looking to basically return for one year with as close to that $55 million as possible and then figure things out with the bigger group next year. And the, like you said, the question from there is, well, let's say they, get, they, re, they re-sign with Bally for one year. Let's say they get $40 million. Well, that's more than they thought they were for gonna... just the TV rights or the streaming rights I mean, too. I mean, it's a right. one-year deal, so I bet, you, I bet you it's closer to fifteen for TV rights <laughs> oh, right. only. That's the <laughs> yeah, part right. of the problem. Yeah, right. But I mean, they could throw the streaming rights in for one year right. yeah. and say we don't have the infrastructure yet, other than MLB's umbrella. Right. Who knows? But even forty million is like, well, is that going to lead then to all of a sudden on February tenth, Falvey's got another twenty million dollars to spend? Maybe, but I, I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, they're at one hundred twenty-five roughly now payroll they were at 150 basically at this point last year so i've heard some mixed reports about what yeah. what, what what this news has done internally in terms of like i know oh, maybe what we do have some more i money know what spend. the skeptical 41 year old lifelong <laughs> twins fan in me thinks yeah i know yeah right and that you could hand them a yeah. blank check and <laughs> it's not going to equal that but you know we'll see yeah. okay um we'll talk about more unfortunately this has been Really, the only ongoing topic of the offseason is this TV <laughs> yeah, crap. Right, true, yeah. um, before we get to a little talk about the 
top prospects. The existing prospects. Yes. <laughs> well, these guys exist now. I guess, yeah, let's, I guess. let's talk yeah, about the, the latest or the newest prospects uh, who have been added to the farm system. Uh, it used to be in July, but now the international signing period opens in January, first week of January, yeah. basically. The Twins signed two, let's call them prominent uh, prospects, over a million each. That's what makes them prominent. Uh, both from the Dominican Republic, a 16-year-old shortstop named Diber de los Santos. I hope I'm saying that name correctly. It's D-A-I-B-E-R, Diber Diber de los Santos, uh, and a 16-year-old outfielder uh, named Eduardo Beltre. That one I got right. <laughs> um, even this gringo can get that correct. Uh, it's, you know, we're talking about, as you're going to hear in a moment, when we play the Walker Jenkins clip, we were talking about him, and he's 18, going to be 19 soon. And we were talking <laughs> right, about how yeah. there's no sure things when you're dealing with 18 <laughs> right, or 19. Yeah, right. Well, there are damn sure any sure things when you talk about 16-year-olds. Yeah, sure. um, but the tricky part is there's this knowledge that even compared to first-round American first-round draft picks who sometimes played three, four years in college right. who have a you know 50% failure rate completely, don't even make the majors – well, 16-year-old guys, you're signing out of the Dominican or Venezuela or wherever it may be, have a much even higher than that failure rate. Some of them right. don't reach double A right. because they're basically high school sophomores, uh, <laughs> and they've played at a lower level of competition than than college players, obviously. Uh, and yet, you look at the All-Star team every year or just look at the Twins roster. A whole bunch of guys signed to 16-year-olds out of the Dominican right. Republic. <laughs> right, yeah. And so you got to play that game if you want to end up with those guys. And it's more of a quantity versus quality. I mean, different teams, they take different well, approaches, which is you get a pool of money based on similar to like draft picks a little bit. The right. pool that you can spend, it's based on market size. It's based on some other stuff. You can lose pool money by yeah. uh, pissing off MLB with certain things. Right. Uh, you can trade for international pool money, um, yep. you know, if you want from another team. But, you know, you get, let's say, $6 million, $7 million, whatever it is to spend on that year's international class. Some teams sign 30 guys for, you know, an average of 200000 and right. that's how they choose to spend their $6 million. Some teams, uh, the Padres last year signed uh, Ethan Salas, who's a 16-year-old catcher who was just viewed as a phenomenal prospect. Um, his brother, Jose Salas, is in the Twins right. farm system, yeah, right. was acquired in the Lopez Arise trade. Right. And they just said, well, we'll just give him $7 million. Right. And that'll be basically that's our it. whole class. That's yeah. And that looks – he's like number one prospect in baseball. He already got to like double A as a 17-year-old or something like that. <laughs> that looks pretty good. The Twins, I would say, have taken generally with this group, have taken kind of the in-between, the most common route, which is they're going to try to sign one or two guys. By this group, you don't just mean this year. You mean this Yeah, the last seven this years of all team. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, for a long time, Fred Guerrero was right. leading their international scouting group. We'll talk about that. He's gone. Yeah. Um, for a long time, they tried to sign like one or two headliner type of guys for a million and a half, two and a half million, something like that, right. and then kind of went for some flyers on pitchers because almost every prominent international signing above a million dollars, and this has always been true, is a position player. And, you know, it makes sense. If you're going to try to project – a 16-year-old, what they're going to look like at 26, right. you're going to have a, at least a little better shot doing it with a pitcher, hitter, hitter than a pitcher. Than a pitcher. Yeah, of course. Um, and so and we talk about the flame-out rate of uh, pitchers who are 18-year-olds yes. signing. 
Yes. Uh, and so the Twins tw- signed two prominent guys, a couple other kind of mid-level guys. I will say that De Los Santos is the headliner. He got just under $2 million, I think. And I know MLB had him as the number eight overall international prospect in this class. And I think Baseball America had him like 11th or something like that. I mean, he's a legit guy. And then, uh, you know, very toolsy, athletic, potential shortstop who can hit. Um, Beltre is more of a, I think he's a center fielder for now, but more of a, you know, corner outfield bat type of guy. And he was generally rated among this class as, you know, in the 30 to 50 range, something like that. And it is sort of akin to draft picks. In that, you know, if you look, like I said, at a typical all-star team or just the the overall makeup of MLB in a given year, it's basically like half dudes who were drafted and half dudes who were signed internationally, give or take. And so, you know, if you're the number 10 international prospect, it varies by year and it's subjective, but that's roughly equivalent to be somewhere in the number 10. You expect to have the 10th most amount of money. Um, The other thing within that, like we mentioned, we'll touch on. Uh, is for a long time, for, I don't know, over a decade, certainly, maybe 20 years, Fred Guerrero has been at the forefront of their international scouting, particularly Latin American scouting, uh, which are the most common places to sign people, although they signed Kepler out of Germany. They signed a lot of dudes out of Australia once upon a time, but, you know, it's Dominican, Venezuela, now Cuba. Um, He's the guy who signed Sano. He's the guy who signed Polanco. He's the guy who signed all these guys. Uh, and he's, I've I've had good conversation with him. He's a really interesting guy. I mean, he's clearly well respected. When Sano signed his extension, the guy he wanted to pose for pictures with on the podium right. was Fred, Fred Guerrero. Guerrero right. um, well, I mean, especially if you go uh, watch the documentary of the signing yes. of Miguel Sano, Pelotero, Pelotero, right? We'll call it Peloton. <laughs> uh, is um, you you'll see Fred Guerrero because yes. he ends up swooping in at the end to try and get yes. uh, Sano. You after, can see how the process is a complete uh, mess. I don't know if that's anywhere to be streamed. Amazon needs to buy that too, so they can. Netflix stream it. used to have it. Yeah, well, that's when we interviewed. This was the first meltdown. Speaking of our meltdown, one of guests, the first one, don't you? Yeah. The second one. Yeah. We had the director of yeah. Pelotero, yeah. and we interviewed him, and it was on Netflix at that time. Yeah. I don't know that it's been on there before, but anyway, uh, Fred Guerrero was uh, parted ways with the organization. This past year, yep. um, his history is fantastic. I mean, think of all the Latin American players the Twins have had over the last 15, 20 years. Uh, you know, even some kind of under the radar guys like Luis Arise, but also Sano and Polanco and, you know, on and on and on. That's a really good track record. He's extremely well respected within the industry. Yep. However, as with anything over 20 years, particularly, I mean, the well-respected aspect is shown by the fact that Falvey and Levine came in eight years ago and kept him in the role. Of course. Um, but things change, and teams change their setups yeah. and move on from experienced guys and bring in different thoughts and younger guys and less experienced guys and all that. And so he was let go, and they brought in from the Dodgers a 37-year-old guy named uh, Roman Barinas, who had been sort of a mid-level scouting side guy for the Dodgers internationally and now, you know, gets a chance to jump up into a bigger role. He's essentially running, my understanding is, the Latin American scouting side along with Kevin Goldstein. Oh, really? Who did a lot of that with the Astros previously and then was hired by the Twins, what, two off-seasons ago. Um, Former uh, podcaster, Kevin Goldstein. Great voice. Former baseball America guy. Yep. Yeah. Baseball America. Yeah. Baseball prospectus. Yes. Uh, 
one of the uh, one of the more interesting paths to a career in baseball that you will ever uh, that you will ever find. And if we either of us had his voice for podcasting, the show would be ten times more. <laughs> Great okay. voice. Good. Um, those two are are basically in charge of the international scouting, or at least the Latin American scouting side. You know, they signed two well-ranked or highly-ranked guys, highly-touted guys. That's good. It's going to take, you know, five years before that pays off, even if things go well. I will say that last year's uh, group did not have a good debut season. No. Uh, yeah, Terrible right. in yeah. a lot of cases. Right. And they spent, you know, seven million bucks on that group. Uh, it's really been a couple of classes – yeah, since somebody, I, mean, I just think of how many times how many of the top twenty player twenty top twenty prospects that right. you'll be able to listen to when you download the Patreon. Yeah, <laughs> we're signed internationally. Now, right. if you many. go back a little further to yeah. like twenty nineteen, right? And you have Emmanuel Rodriguez, right? And yes. you go back before that, and you start to get into you know Luis Arise sure, and guys right. like that. There is a history of it, but the the recent history, they've not gotten great returns. And it, you know, look, you're trying to predict the future for sixteen year olds. Sure. It's an impossible task to begin with. You're also then relying on the player development and coaching staff to right. take this, you know, clay, this raw clay, and mold it into something. So it's hard. And on to, top of that, it's not even like you get to draft them and they got, have to come to you. You also have to work out a contract with them well, based, on the, uh, based on their. That's true right. too. Although it ends up because teams they each have like a pool of money from which they can spend. Right. It's not like the Yankees can just sign the top ten guys. Right. That's right. So it ends up sort of in a weird way becoming almost like a draft situation where you know some team signs the top guy that team no longer has any money to sign a prominent guy so then it just sort of falls in line after that but the recent results from the international signings latin american signings have not been particularly strong i'm talking like the last three years let's say um there's still some guys yasser mercedes and some other guys who potentially could be good they just all had bad and or injury wreck seasons this last year and even a couple years ago for some of them um, so the hope is they're going to shake it up a little bit. And I know Lavelle wrote an article about this like a month ago when Fred Guerrero departed the organization and he linked it to like payroll cuts and all this. And my thought at the time, I know we pick on Lavelle a lot. It seems like on the show or I, not we, I, <laughs> right. uh, hi Lavelle. I don't want to say what Fred Guerrero was making. But but probably wasn't it was too, not a too tied to payroll cuts. Yeah, it wasn't tied maybe. to payroll cuts, and they replaced him with a young guy from the Dodgers, who, by the way, is going to be making a pretty decent money from you maybe, know stepping yeah, into right. that role. Yeah. So it's more, I think, of a fresh voice, new, uh, you know, new way of functioning in this department. You know, restructuring it a little bit. Going to be based more on, you know, you still got to scout. There's no the thing is the lower you get on the level of competition the more just pure scouting is important yeah of course you know when it, if you're just trying to determine what major league pitcher you should trade for you don't need a scout to you have his radar gun stat cast data yeah, right? you look yeah, at right. the you've yeah. seen him on tv you can look at the video you can talk to people about him you go to college and it's like yeah i'd still like someone to get an eye on him but we have some decent data here sure. we have we know the equivalent from sec to triple a and all this stuff then you get to high school, and it's like, well, now we just need scouts, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we right. need there's there's data, and then you get Dominican. To, to, you get to, to some 15 year old kid in the Dominican <laughs> right, Republic, yep, and it's yep. like, there's no stat cast data on this, but there is right. some, and so I think they're trying to merge that more. And this is something uh, Kevin Goldstein and the Astros had tremendous success with, especially on the pitching side. 
of taking a more kind of analytical view of right. something that has always been viewed as purely scouting based yeah. and try to merge those two. And, you know, we'll see, like I said, five years from now we can pass judgment on it, but yeah. that's, that's yeah. part of it. Um, okay. Uh, I wrote my annual 18th annual, which just tells me I'm old. <laughs> uh, Glenn Perkins was on the first list and he's old. We too. talked about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wrote my 18th annual twins top 40 prospects list. I would like to speak to uh, 22-year-old me, 23-year-old me, uh-huh. and say... Maybe 20. Maybe top, top 20 is enough. Yeah. <laughs> exa- you knew where I was headed with this. <laughs> Buddy, <laughs> you know what's a nice number? 12. <laughs> no. Nice round number. Why 40? Right. 25 would have You had a lot of time on your hands Yeah, you but, but also, I did have a lot of time on my hands. Why not 50? <laughs> yeah. What's 40? Right. 40 is not anything. Maybe. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Casey Kasem it, sticking with you. Yeah. America top 40. Yeah. <laughs> that could be. Or Baseball America always used to put out 30. So I, maybe I thought, oh, well, I'll do 40. A, Although really, 20-year-old sounds me like a young claim, but probably would have thought, let me do 31. <laughs> yeah. Or 30 and a half. Um, so yeah, I would like to talk to him. Because I also, me, whatever <laughs> I establish as the thing, I'll uh-huh. do it for 50 years. Well, that's true. So too. it's going to be 40 forever. <laughs> I'll never a, change that because I'm yeah. deathly afraid of oh. change. So. Uh, we're going to run through very quickly the top 10, very quickly, and then we're going to play for you a clip of a much longer in-depth discussion we had about a week ago about the number one guy, right. spoiler alert, Walker Jenkins. And if you like that discussion, there's like uh, you know 39 more, more of those hours. Yeah, <laughs> on the Patreon side. Right. So we'll, we'll uh, tease you a little bit with that. And if you like what you hear, sign up for the Patreon, and you can actually listen to that episode for free. It's part of the archive. You get the whole right. archive for yes. free. P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman. Okay, here's the top ten, very quickly. Um, if you want more on these guys, listen to the Patreon. Lots. <laughs> uh, Walker Jenkins, number one. Pretty easy decision for me. At midseason, I put him number two because he hadn't debuted yet. I have, uh, in my head, I like to give the guys the lemon test, which is, let me just make sure he we can drive him off the lot and get home in the yeah. car. Number one draft pick last year, five, five, fifth overall, a first-round draft pick, high school fifth in North overall Carolina. in what was a very strong draft and which he could, could have been a number one overall in a lot of years. Yes. And then he showed up at... Uh, uh, low A and hit the snot out of the ball and then got promoted to high A and no, hit the snot rookie ball. ball and then low A. Oh, sorry, rookie ball and then low but, A, right. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's uh, right. Hit, you know, 360 with power, right. drew walks, stole bases, now, played center field. He did that for a month and a half or two months. Like, 26 oh, games. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, but, but he's a consensus, like, you know, not outside of the Twins, uh, consensus top 25 prospect. Right. I think Baseball America just ranked him 13th, I want to say, Something like on their that. list. I mean, this, is a, top, this is a legit yeah. Legit, legit prospect. Um, I would put him up there as he stands today with, you know, maybe a step, half step below Buxton and Maurer at their peaks. Right. Uh, and if In he has a good, side. healthy season, he'll be at that level. Yeah, obviously, there's a lot more to be found out this year when he plays right. a full year of baseball. Uh, so he's number one. You're, we're going to play for you a clip where we talk about him a lot more. Uh, number two is Brooks Lee. Right. Who's a much different profile? He was the number eight pick right. two years ago, right. but uh, after playing three years at Cal, also Poly, a guy they did not think they were going to be getting. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, and he is, I would say, consensus top fifty global prospect. Yeah. I've seen him in the thirties at a few places, the thirty fifth ranking stuff. Uh, a lot of years for in Twins history, he'd be the number one prospect. Right. And by the way, for a lot of other teams this year, he would be the number one prospect. Yeah. Uh, but a much different profile in terms of upside, downside, ceiling, all that floor. I think 
you can be very confident that Brooks Lee, who reached AAA last year in his first full season after three great years of college playing for his dad at Cal Poly, you can be very confident he's going to be a quality regular. Whether it's at third base, second base, he's currently a shortstop, but obviously the Twins have Correa. He's a guy who hits a bunch of doubles. They think he can hit 20 homers. He's a switch hitter. He controls the strike zone. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's not a speedy guy, but everyone praises his baseball IQ. There's just you know, there's no sure things, but there's very little chance that he just stinks. Right. The question with him is relative to Jenkins, because right. with Jenkins, it's like, well, he could win MVPs, sure. or as yeah, an 18-year-old, yeah, right. who yeah. knows? Yeah. With, with Brooks Lee, it's like he's going to be a good, solid regular. Can he be a five-time All-Star? Can he be an MVP candidate? That's more the question with him. Sure. Uh, and he's at AAA, so that's part of the Twins infield logjam that we always talk about is not on opening day, but in June, similar to what we saw with Royce Lewis and Ed Julian last year, yeah. he could very easily be knocking on the door to the majors. Number three is a guy we just mentioned as part of the international class yeah. in 2019, signed for $2.5 million, uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez, who is now 20 or might have just turned 21. Yeah, something like that. Played last year at high A. Uh, drew 90 walks in 99 games last year. <laughs> right. Just an absurd eye at the plate. Draws a ton of walks. Has 30 homer power. The question with him is contact, avoiding huge strikeouts because he's always in these deep counts. He's only like a career 250 hitter in the minors. Right. And then he's had knee surgery last year. The question with him is can he be a center fielder? Is he more of a right fielder? He's got pretty good speed, but also he's 20 and he's like, you know, five foot yeah. 10 compact guy. But uh, again, a consensus top 100 and I would say probably top 75 prospect. I think Baseball America ranked him in the 50s okay. uh, on the list they just put out. A lot of years he'd be the Twins' number one prospect. Those three, I'll stack those three up against anybody's top three prospect other than maybe like the Orioles or something like that. I mean, sure. the, that's a legit trio of hitting prospects. Uh, in terms of upside, ceiling, you got Brooks Lee knocking on the door to the majors, sure. all that stuff. Then after that, there's a drop-off. Yeah. Um, you get on the pitching side, I would kind of group these two together. They're different, but I think in terms of valuation, they're similar. David Festa, who's a six foot six, hard-throwing right-handed starting pitcher who finished last year at AAA. I will be, if healthy, he will pitch for the Twins this year. He will make starts for the Twins this year. I would say he's sort of in the spot that Louis Varlin was in right now. Last he's probably year. sixth overall on the on the yes. Oh, I, I would say where he, where Bailey Ober was last year. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Although I did get the more of the feeling, yeah, literally. But right. I got the feeling Bailey <laughs> right. Ober was just by the time. I agree with you. Whereas I think with Louis Varlin, they wanted to actually yeah. see some performance. My guess is by the time spring training happens, or by the time he'll be seven, he'll be seven. Yeah, right. I think that's true. Uh, and then number five is Marco Raya, who reached Double A last year at age twenty, was the youngest pitcher in the Texas League. Um, they've been very careful to. Limit his workload because he's, he's amazing stuff. The question about him is yes, can he stay healthy? Because he's had some shoulder problems. He's also like five foot ten, very skinny. Uh, got mid nineties fastball. Got three good off speed pitches. He can throw strikes. The question with him is, can he throw you know five or six innings in a start? Right. Can he throw? 165 innings in a season, right. and they really have not even – I think the most pitches he threw last year was 54 in a start. Right. So it's like, yeah, he's a starter prospect, but it's hard to evaluate him relative to like Festa right. just because he hasn't faced the lineup two or, or three times very often. Uh, then the six through ten guys, I'll just kind of list them off and say one thing about them. Number six, Corey Lewis. Uh, wait, no, number six – wait, who did I have number six? Uh oh. <laughs> Lewis was six and was Martin seven. was seven? Martin. Austin Martin was six. Okay. 
Thank you. Okay. Yeah. My own list. I can't okay. remember. Okay. Austin Martin, right. number six, who also I think will play in the majors this year, almost certainly. I mean, there's a chance he wins an opening day job, depending on what happens in center field. But right. uh, played last year at AAA, missed the first half with an elbow injury, had shook some rust off, and then over the last like two months, hit 300, 400 on base percentage, bunch of doubles, stole a bunch of bases, drew a bunch of walks, played second, played center. Opinions are kind of split where he'd be best at, but he's there are definitely people in the organization who think he can be a long-term center fielder defensively. I think probably his stock has dropped from a ceiling standpoint compared to when he was the number five sure, pick and part sure. of the Brios deal. He has a sort of leadoff skill set in that he grinds out walks, he gets on base, he steals bases, he doesn't strike out. But the total lack of power that he's shown, yeah. to me, in an ideal lineup, makes him more of like an 8-9 yeah. spot. But, you know, if he's got a 350 on base and he's, you know, stealing bases. Or significant and he can play, doubles power into the gap. Yeah, right, yeah doubles, some right. doubles power and he can play center. He can play second. He can play left or right. Could be a super utility. Could be a starting Hopefully center Hopefully you will hear a lot about him in spring training in our yes, various spring training podcasts. Uh, number seven, Corey Lewis, who's their minor league pitcher of the year. Uh, good pitching prospect who is also very intriguing because he throws a power knuckleball. Yes. Uh, which is uh, a lot of fun. Finished double A last year? High A last year. Tanner Schobel and Luke Kieschel I have <laughs> right. at 8-9. Uh, I like the Jedica. Very together. similar players. Yeah. Uh, Schobel was drafted two years ago. Kieschel was drafted one year ago. They are both uh, college second baseman. Basically yes. played some shortstop, but they're likely to be second baseman. Kieschel maybe could play some center field. Uh, who put up one big, huge power year. Uh, Schobel was at Virginia Tech. Keisha was at Arizona State to the point that people went, wow, maybe this guy can hit for some power. That's the question with them. Right. They're not going to play shortstop from a skill standpoint, but they could be sort of that. It's a very common mold of kind of the college second baseman, the Dustin Pedroia right. is the what your your goal Chase is there. Utley. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true too. Uh, but a lot of those guys turn into utility guys. Right. Some of them top out at AAA just because they don't have the power. Uh, to be major leaguers, but I think both those guys have some potential to be solid regulars. Uh, and then number 10, C.J. Culpepper, who was also drafted uh, a year ago or two years ago, but pitched his first season last year. Uh, go very good numbers across two levels of single A, yep. but kind of ran out of gas at the end of last year. Yep. A lot of bunch of runs like in his last 20 innings or something after he passed his, his college uh, workload. But another guy who they – Similar to Lewis, uh, similar to Festa, similar to some other college draft picks. They have a type. They like tall, right-handed right college starting pitchers in the middle rounds who weren't great in college but were decent in college and a lot of times not from real high-end baseball hotbeds. Right. They get these guys. They, get they, don't, them they don't have a lot of velocity. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, they throw 92. Right. They immediately get them throwing 94, 95. They tweak the pitch mix a little bit. They get them into a little bit better shape right. from a physical standpoint. And then all of a sudden you go, well, now the guy throws yeah, 95. You, now, you have, now you've got Bailey Ober. Right. That's what <laughs> yeah, they that's, did that's with that's Bailey Ober. Right. To yeah. some extent, that's what they did with Louis Varlin. Yep. Right. Um, and they've had some success with it. Culpepper is another one of those guys. So now to end the show, that's my top 10. Uh, first of all, thank you to, to better help. And to Factor yeah, Meals. Yeah, check it, check out Factor. Uh, to finish the show, we'll leave you with a more in-depth clip, a sample of the two-hour podcast we did on these prospects. Of us gushing about Walker Jenkins. Yes. <laughs> That's okay, I'll shut up. Bye. Their number one prospect is Walker Jenkins, who has played uh, 26 games 
<laughs> professionally. <laughs> right. Uh, I am usually pretty uh, skeptical, I guess, or slow to, you know, put on a pedestal the recent draftees, especially high school draftees, sure. guys who have either not debuted or only played a couple dozen games, games right <laughs> against the lowest of low minors competition, although he advanced a little bit. My feeling on it, and I think, you know, Baseball America, who do, do an awesome job, and some other places who also do good jobs with this sort of thing, they tend to, I think, although maybe less so now than 10 years ago or something, take a, a the opposite approach, which yes. is their view is based much more on like upside. upside or theoretical upside where I'm fine with that. I mean, upside is huge. It doesn't right. do you any good to just rank a bunch of guys who might be major league middle relievers right. or whatever. But to me, the further a guy advances up the ladder and the more competition he faces and the bigger right. track record he has, you're inevitably going to start to see the flaws in this player. Right. Nobody's a perfect player. Walker Jenkins right now looks like a perfect player. I wrote that he looks like he was built in a lab to play baseball. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. You sent him to rookie ball and he put up a 1,200 OPS. You sent him to low A, he put up a 1,100 OPS. It's like, well, this guy's got no flaws. Well, he's an amazing prospect. He's a consensus, certainly top 25 global prospect. But what if they send him to high A and he hits a 260 with 10 homers? Are you going to all of a sudden say this guy stinks or are you going to be realistic and say, well, now we've started to see some of the flaws. Right, yeah. We've started to see a fuller picture. Right. And so my view is I want more information on these guys. And so I value the the kind of exposure of flaws or the information or shining a light on the player more than the kind of darkness of it sure. uh, that way. So that plays a lot of it. Then you get a guy like Walker Jenkins, though, <laughs> right. who's uh, 19 – May not even be nineteen. Born in two thousand five. Yeah, he's he's not nineteen yeah, yet. No, he's not. Uh, he'll be nineteen. I think it's funny. I believe three of the top four guys were born in February, and this might sound really stupid, but I'm going to ask somebody about that because I read uh, Freakonomics. Yeah, Freakonomics had something about the hockey players all born in September through right. December because it gives you an advantage right. you're old relative to your grade level right. or something like that, right? It doesn't something. make sense for February. Yeah. But maybe there's something to do with the baseball season, which starts in February. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's just a where you were on what's your birthday, and, or maybe the cutoff point is March 1st for baseball season as yeah, opposed who knows. to Or it's very possible that I ask a high-ranking Twins official that very question, and they look at me and they say, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> which is a fairly common answer that I get to a lot of questions that I ask, especially in spring training. Sure, sure. Uh, but so Walker Jenkins is an example of – you can't avoid it. Yeah, right. he's 18, and he was just drafted in uh, July, and he's played 26 games against the lowest level of professional uh, American baseball competition. Right. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Uh, I could maybe make some sort of argument that he should rank second or third, but who are we kidding? If he ends up being a bust, right. everybody's going to be wrong about him. Right. Twins That's included, right. other teams. The f- The – the feeling with Jenkins is the backstory matters. Yeah, the Jenkins. backstory matters. Also, you know, he was the fifth pick in the draft, but it was one of the stronger right. tops of the draft ever. Right. And everyone viewed the top five as all being Legitimate capable of being pick. number yeah. one pick right. type of guys. Having number one grades. And, you know, the Twins were lucky because they won the draft lottery. They moved up eight. Didn't win it, but they moved up eight spots in the draft lottery. And did it in a year where having the number five pick has more value than ever, basically, theoretically. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
And in talking to Twins people and talking to other people and talking to some teams that scouted them who also had top five picks, I tried to do that. I tried to say to a couple people I know in these organizations who picked one through four, hey, uh, would you have picked him over so-and-so? Would you? I, a lot of people told me they had him third on their list or they had him second on their list or you know oh, yeah, all that. Yeah. And so I think it's probably the case with the Twins. A lot of uh, Larry Walker comps that I've gotten about him as a kind of left-handed hitter who does everything pretty well, got power, good defensively, runs right. pretty well. Some Josh Hamilton comps, which is if you separate the off-field aspect, <laughs> is about as glowing a comp as you can give someone, right. especially he's from North Carolina. That's right. where Josh Hamilton was, right. was from. Um, you know, Those are the type of guys people comp when they really want right. to tell you that somebody's good because yeah. those are two guys that scouts drooled over. Those are two guys that looked good in a and baseball uniform. Out. And mostly panned mostly out. Mostly panned out. Yeah, one's a Hall of Famer, and the one who quote-unquote didn't pan out, Josh Hamilton, won an MVP, MVP award right, and yes. probably made $200 million or right. something. So that's Walker Jenkins. He's a center fielder, left-handed hitter. Uh, he, like I joked, he, he looks like he was built in a lab to play baseball. He's got the good blonde hair. He's about 6'3", right. you know, very strong for an 18-year-old. Still probably some room to, to grow physically. Looks good in jeans. Looks good in jeans, yeah. <laughs> Is that the buddy ball uh, thing? Yeah. Look, I don't, haven't seen him in jeans. I saw him in a suit. He looked good in a suit. Uh, sitting next to Scott Boris and <laughs> Derek Falvey and everybody. Uh, you know, one of those guys who people project 30 homer power, but they also feel like, He's kind of got the smooth swing in. A lot of the stuff people used to say about Alex Kirilov, uh, which is very smooth swing, probably going to be a pretty high contact hitter, fairly patient at the plate, Not a, even at 18, not a guy who's going to chase a lot of stuff. But we also think as he grows and matures and faces higher level competition, going to be a 30 homer type of guy. Pretty good speed. He's There is some real hope that he can stay in center field. You think we'll see him in spring training, major league camp? He won't be in major league camp, but he'll they'll bring him over, I bet, yeah, I for bet, some yeah. games, road games or yeah. stuff like that, which they tend to do. Um Yeah, I mean I don't know, they might, but yeah. It's it's as good a profile as you're gonna get for an eighteen year old, but probably be at still an eighteen year old. Low A or high A next year. High, the upside would be high A. He dominated low A in that twenty in the twelve game stretch or right. whatever he had there. Fort Myers, but it was also end. twelve games. Right. So and you, can see, you can see them starting again in low A if they want to. Especially. That's sort of my assumption, particularly because low A is Fort Myers, right. and yeah. coming out of spring training, control, right. you can have him at your same complex. Right. Basically, it's like extended spring training almost. Yeah, that my assumption is he'll start out at low A, and if he knocks the hell out of pitchers again, they'll send him to. High A, which is Cedar Rapids of the Midwest League. Even low A, though, for an 18-year-old in their first full season is very aggressive. I mean, the fact that he got there. um, Brooks Lee also got there, but he was out of college. (laughs) Um, I think he might have got to high A. Or he got to double A But in his first pro season. We'll talk about him in a minute. But So, yeah, everything – there is no sure thing with an 18-year-old, and even the best 18-year-old prospects go bust, you know, a quarter of the time, let's say. Or not even go bust, like, they just turn into good players as opposed right. to amazing players. Sure. Uh, and that's certainly possible, like I said. What if you find out he can't hit a breaking ball, or he swings and misses more than you think, or he can't hit lefties, or yeah. he grows out of center field. Too passive at the plate. Well, yeah, whatever it is. Right and But in terms of checking boxes at 18 – uh, this is as good as you're going to get. I think he's definitely up there with Buxton and Maurer, just in terms of 
the it's highest, one of the best prospects we've the Twins have had twenty right five years, let's say something yeah, like that. Interesting to see. Uh, I think he's in a lot of and, ways and somebody who could be a candidate to be the number one prospect overall in Major League yes. Baseball at some point. That's yes. the kind of quality that we're talking right. about here. Right. I mean, I, I guess if he has a good, healthy year, he'll be a top ten prospect this time next year. Uh, you know, I'm not even saying like he hits 350. I'm just saying like right. if he yeah. plays well and stays healthy in his first full season, he will be a top 10 global prospect. Now, Maurer and Buxton were number one, so yeah, that's right. higher. But I almost, I feel like this is going to sound absurd for an 18 year old, but in a lot of ways, I think he's sort of a merging of Maurer and Buxton in a way, in that right. he has a, the, the, a lot of the athletic, you know, composition of Buxton. But he's not that fast. I mean, nobody's that fast as Buxton was as an 18 year old or whatever. But he's got a lot of that, you know, high school, just raw athlete, just wow, look at this guy. But he also has kind of the smooth left handed swing, good approach at the plate. I, I also, I, I do think that people kind of undersell Maurer's athleticism at that age. Like he was the number one quarterback in the country. I used to watch him beat us in basketball too. He was like a shooting guard uh, for Creighton. Was he Mr. Basketball? No, but he was like, could have, I mean, if he would have focused on basketball, they had a guy, Steve Sir, who was better than him on that team. It was the two of them used to just destroy us. Uh, but I think Maurer could have played Division One basketball for sure. Um, and, you know, then injuries happen, but he's an amazing athlete. So that's kind of how you want to view Jenkins. Now, with that said, he might go to low A or high A and yep. hit 220, and yep. we got to reevaluate this thing. That's all. And, I mean, we should just set expectations because I think people will be, will be asking. Uh, 2026, maybe, <laughs> arrival. Like, uh, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, I think realistically. It would, it would be crazy for him to be up any earlier than 2026. Well, let's just – Map it out this way. If he starts this year at low A, right. where he ended last year, yeah. and he plays uh, two months at low A, yeah. and then they promote him to high A. And he kicks butt there. And he kicks butt at high A. Maybe he gets to promoted double to double A for the double A playoffs or something like that. Then he probably begins 2025 back at double A. And as we talk about a lot, yeah. once you get to double A, you can kind of – Choose your own adventure there, and so let's say he. Be- that, that, that is that is literally say everything goes as perfectly as yes. Well, I mean, much I think realistically, way. if he stays healthy, he's going to get to high A this year. I they're not just going to leave him in true. Fort Myers for a whole true. year. I think that's true. And so, if you get the double A in the second half of this year, you would realistically start next year at double. Uh, if you end this year at high A, yeah, you would start next year Depending at double. On how he does it, high right. A, I mean, right. if he stinks. Yeah. And once you get to double A, I mean, if he hits 300 for two months at double A, they're not going to leave him at double A at 19, 20 years old. Yeah. Then you get to triple A and, you know, some things happen. I think the Twins have been much more aggressive. And this was true of the Terry Ryan regime, even before this regime. They're much more aggressive with position players in terms of age and pushing them to the majors right. yeah, I agree than they yeah, are with, right. with pitchers. pitchers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would see that with Maurer, but I mean, if I'm going back to like, Arcia mm-hmm. or Aaron Hicks or these guys. And so, yeah, I mean, just counting on anybody who's 18 making it to the majors at 21, well, that's <laughs> right. wishful thinking. Right. But we've seen, you know, the Bryce Harpers of the world and the Juan Sotos of the world, if you can be a special prospect, it kind of, it's like, who, who cares? Like, right. you know, what good is it doing? Yeah, you save service time and whatever, but that you can do that within a right. season. You can call them up in, on May 1st or whatever instead. So, I don't know. He's a great prospect. I would say in the 18 years I've been doing this, his standing today, after barely playing, is second to to Buxton, I would say. 
And they've had some some good prospects right. during that time. I mean, Sano was a mega prospect. Right. Barrios was a great prospect. And we already established you did this after Maurer. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. right. yes. I would say, to me, Maurer is the probably the best Twins prospect of all time, realistically. I mean, like, Butch Weiniger was a great prospect, but I'd have to talk to Royce about this. But um, he's going to tell me some weird, <laughs> some weird guy who barely played was, uh, from some farm. Somebody. This guy was better than anybody I've ever seen. Cleveland.